We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast and presented by BetOnline.ag, Deal Dash, and DirecTV NFL Sunday Ticket. This week, we are covering, frankly, what is not a good movie. It's it's so bad you can laugh or cry, whatever you choose to do, but uh, some of my favorite guests, New York Times bestselling author Jeff Perlman and his son Emmett returned to Big Screen Sports to talk Teen Wolf 2. They were on last year talking the original Teen Wolf, which is a laughably bad basketball movie with Michael J. Fox. This is a laughably bad boxing movie with Jason Bateman. It's just a, it's a true treasure. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you, like, just watch it once. Once is enough, but just watch it once. It makes for a really enjoyable episode, though. It's nice when you can just rag on something for an hour. If you're a writer, Jeff's Pod 2 Writer Slinging Yang is just an incredible resource. It's one of my favorite listens. It's a must-listen for me each week. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. It's just Jeff talking to another writer about you know their career, how they get started, how they operate. It's great stuff. Uh, also in the show notes, a link to the Big Screen Sports Facebook group where you get upcoming episode info and the chance to ask a listener question for an episode. Next week's episode is on a Knight's Tale, so if you've got a question for that one, head over to the Facebook group to get that question in. Also a good time to stream a Knight's Tale on Netflix. Uh, make sure you're subscribed for new episodes every Monday. We've got a good rest of August slate ahead, um, so you know, make sure you're subscribed to that. Also, rate, review. You know, you guys know the drill. Those five-star Apple podcast ratings do make the podcast world go round. But with that, it is, uh, it's time. Let's talk a very young Jason Bateman, 
a very bad movie, Teen Wolf 2 with Jeff and Emmett Perlman. All right, returning to today's episode of Big Screen Sports, joining the Three Timers Club. It's New York Times bestselling author and host of Two Writers Slinging Yang, Jeff Perlman, and his son, Emmett Perlman. Guys, thanks for returning to this podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Before we get into uh, what is truly an incredible, incredible movie that we'll be discussing, uh, Jeff, talk about your upcoming book and your podcast, Two Writers Slinging Yang, which has become absolutely a favorite of mine. It's an incredible resource for anyone who is, who is trying to write or aspiring to write. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I do have a podcast, Two Writers Slinging Yang, that comes out every week. It's a different writer every single time. I've never had a repeat guest. And uh, I have a book about the Shaq, Kobe, Phil Jackson era Lakers called uh, Three Ring Circus that's coming out in September. And I should announce that my son Emmett and I have started the hip hop duo Big Jew and Little Guy, and we have our debut album coming out in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. What, what, what uh, studio is dropping that one? Uh, it's an independent release. The name of the album is Kosher Pickles. It's going to be big. <laughs> Emmett, do you have a TikTok or anything to plug? I know I, whatever you, you teens are into. No, I don't. I don't really care about that. <laughs> well, um, Jeff, I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating your book. And like I said, Two Writers is, is one of my favorite podcasts. It's, it's such a resource. Um, you, you know, I, I've learned a lot from it. But something that I have also learned from you is, is about the movies, the Teen Wolf movies. Uh, I had not really, I had not seen the first Teen Wolf until uh, we recorded our last episode, You, Me, and Emmett. And today we are talking about Teen Wolf 2. And folks, that is spelled T-O-O, not the number two. <laughs> Teen Wolf 2 is the 1987 American, I guess, comedy film, but it... Jason Bateman <laughs> is Teen Wolf 2. Todd Howard is a regular guy. Hi. Right. Bye. With a couple of problems. You just hit me with a dead frog. Jerk. Just like his cousin Scott. Feeling a little furry in there, buddy? The good news is he's going to college. The bad news is he's going through a few changes. And when you do change... I'm going to be there to take you straight to the top. Jason Bateman stars in the sequel to Teen Wolf as the original's cousin Todd. Though not a boxer, he receives a college boxing scholarship and upon discovering that he is afflicted with the same werewolf genetics, transforms from unremarkable to unbelievable. It starred a very young Jason Bateman in his first film role, Kim Darby, S.T. Chandler, and John Astin. It got a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes, grossed $7.9 million at the box office, and I can say without a doubt is one of the worst movies we've covered on this podcast, <laughs> if not the worst. I'm very excited. Guys, uh, I'll start with, is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer sports film? Emmett, you're up first. This is like a guy that fell off the bench. He's just like, he's so far from any position. They're making him sit on the floor. Jeff, what's your take? I actually, it's funny how you said it's the maybe the worst movie you've done on the show. I'm 48 years old. I think it is the worst movie I've ever seen, and it's definitely the worst movie I've ever seen twice. So, worst movie I've ever seen, I will always point to The Tuxedo, starring Jackie Chan, which, like, I went to see that in the theater when I was an early teen, Emmett, probably when I was about your age, and I walked out of the theater being so disappointed, just incredibly disappointed. I... To me, that's still the worst I've ever seen. But this is up there. Yeah, it's a it's a bench warmer. This movie is like 
it's one of those sequels that's, hey, let's run the entire plot back, do exactly the same thing, but just make it a hundred times worse. It fails at, at literally everything. And the the what's kind of a bummer is it has a young Jason Bateman in it who you can tell has some charisma. It is not, if you watch this movie, it is not, and you didn't know the future, it's not out of the question to say, hey, this guy actually goes on to be something much better than this movie. But it is a failure in every sense of the word. Uh, I, you know, first question really, do you guys think, is this movie better or worse than the original Teen Wolf? The original Teen Wolf is not great, but, you know, Jeff, what what do you think? I feel like the original Teen Wolf is, like, head and shoulders better than this one. I just think this is truly... All right, so it's interesting what you said. I th- we may have discussed this with Teen Wolf. Like, the worst movie I ever saw was a movie called AI, and it had Jude Law and, and a young Haley Joel Osment in it. That movie and, makes me impossibly sad. Yeah, it's it's terrible. And the thing that makes, in a way, makes that kind of movie worse than this kind of movie is that movie was trying to be really good, and it was terrible. This movie, there's no way anyone associated with this movie thinks this is a good movie. No one walked away from this movie. No one watched the final cut and said, oh, this is, this is great. This is brilliant. Um, it's so ridiculously bad. The Teen Wolf was not a great movie, but it wasn't the worst movie ever. This might be the worst movie ever. It's got to be in that discussion of worst movies. That argument is kind of why Trouble with the Curve is the worst sports movie ever, because it's mm-hmm. it's really trying. Another side note on AI, I tweeted a while back that I think about the ending, like the last scene of AI once a month, and it makes me want to cry. It I don't hurts. want you to cry. It hurts so deep. Uh, this next question, this next thing I want to I want to pose to you guys, and Emmett, I want you to start. Would you rather go without being able to watch TV and movies for two weeks per month? And I'm including like YouTube, TikTok, whatever you're into, like just multimedia for two weeks per month, or you can have life as normal, but you have to watch this movie once a week. What would you pick? Once a week. Does like does it have to be like attentive watching or? Can yeah, just... no second screen. Okay, okay. So you have to like physically watch it. Yeah, and and by the fourth week, you have to be like quoting it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already, I already am. But, I was just thinking that. <laughs> um, uh, I think I would the two weeks without screen, like without TV or whatever, isn't exactly harmful, and Teen Wolf two could potentially be. So I'm gonna go with. The two weeks without screens. Jeff, not to age shame you, but you're from a different different generation. Could you do the the two weeks without screens pretty easily? The thing about this movie, I will say, is it's really sparked joy for Emmett and I. Like we have talked about this movie nonstop. Today we took a walk and we were talking about Teen Wolf Two and specific scenes and how awful it was. So I feel like I could watch it more times just to break down the pure awfulness of it. The way you watch like a video of the greatest acting scenes of Gary Coleman, where it's just something about it that's so awful that it's good. So I think I'm taking uh, watching this movie over and over again. I will say that for my fiance and I, it was kind of an enjoyable watching, like viewing experience, especially like I'm thinking about movies we've had to watch for this podcast recently. Like we were able to both laugh at this one in unison versus like we i had to turn on i had to watch the program a couple weeks ago and she just wasn't having that that movie she just was not a fan um same with blood sport which is a movie that i love she doesn't really get 
Uh, but this one we we could share in our joy together. I think I would I would actually watch this once a week. I that but that's more just I couldn't go without TV You're, and movies. You made your fiance watch Teen Wolf too. Yeah, yeah. Is she still we were, your fiance? She yeah, she hadn't left. She has not. She has not left yet. I mean, she might be upstairs packing right now because <laughs> I made her watch this. But we're we're still going. Um, it's really it's a gift. It's, uh, it is more bad funny than than the first one i will say like there's more like oh my god you got to be kidding me like the first one's trying more than this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the last like opening thing i want to get to is something that jeff i think you said you guys were talking about who would win a, a boxing match between adonis creed or the wolf what what was your consensus what did you guys I, come out to we disagreed yeah. on this um i really? actually say that yeah because i think the wolf would beat adonis creed and emmett Things Adonis Creed wins. I only think yeah. I just think because he's a wolf. I know he's an inexperienced fighter, but because he's a wolf, I just think he would have certain powers that Adonis Creed, as good a fighter as he became, would not have. Emmett disagrees with me. My my argument is like when you saw Teen Wolf fighting, he he didn't like obliterate everyone in one hit. He just kind of like he still had to punch them multiple times, and they were college boxers, and they weren't even putting their hands up, but. I think you take a professional boxer who actually has experience and might even be equally strong. I think he would win. I don't know. I mean, the wolf did knock a guy clear out of the ring. I don't, I don't that's even true. think like Mike that, Tyson has done that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I think, um, I think I'm taking the wolf because yeah, he, <laughs> he knocked a guy clear out of the ring. Uh, he is a, a superhuman creature. He's a mystical being. Uh, it, it I mean, it's like, it's like Ivan Drago, but on more steroids. Don't you also think, say. Kyle, can you make the argument? I mean, the guy clearly is, has a lot of talent going for him. He seems to be an excellent student. He knows all the words to Do You Love Me and can sing it with a microphone or without. I've got he, a lot about that. <laughs> he, he oh, does, yeah. He just has a lot of gifts. So I think I'm not saying like I'm saying you throw him in, give him a couple of sessions with Customato or Emmanuel Stewart. Maybe you give him a warm up fight or two. Let him fight, you know, Antonio Tarver, and then Adonis Creed. I think he wins. Yeah, the wolf would study the craft. Todd yes. uh, Todd Howard would would study the craft as the wolf. Speaking of that, like him punching a guy out of the ring. This movie takes a bunch of. I don't think anyone who made this movie understands the kind of physical toll that a human body can take in boxing, and that montage that the wolf has, like. How many people do you think he kills during that <laughs> montage? Like, Emmett, if you had to guess, how many people... Because, like, boxing deaths are common when you're not boxing against, like, a <laughs> mystical true. werewolf. I mean, also, the thing is, like, they're, they're, no one's putting their hands up. Like, everyone's just leaving their heads completely open. So they're just getting hit in the head really, really hard, even out of the ring. Like, was that guy hit out of the ring from, like, an uppercut to his head? That would just kill him instantly. He'd be dead. So I think I think there's no way that anyone would live a fight against the wolf. Jeff, what do you think? Um, I agree with my son. I also think it's interesting just the rise in insurance that Hamilton University would have to be paying to have a wolf on its boxing team would be insane. I mean, the... Who are you going to go to? Who are you going to get a policy for to ensure? How do you know he's not going to bite someone in the neck? How do you know he's not going to bite someone's nose off? Like, 
it's bad enough just having a boxing team and, and the insurance rates of that or a football team. But to have a werewolf as your lead fighter, I just think it's fiscally unfeasible. I think it's very... I'm very shocked that that many people stepped into the ring that they weren't just like, you know what? This isn't worth it. Like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not going to fight a werewolf. He's a, he's a fucking werewolf. Like why didn't anybody look around and just say, Hey, this isn't what we're doing. We're not fighting werewolves. This is, I didn't come to college to box a werewolf. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That isn't a guy. That's a werewolf. Why are we fighting a werewolf? Yeah, we're not we're not doing this. We're not like absolutely it 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 also it would end up being like the um the scene in million or the kind of the montage in Million Dollar Baby where Clint Eastwood's character has to start paying people under the table to take fights with Hillary Swank because she's just she's beating like beating people too bad. It would turn into that except like way more. I I just I don't understand Al Hamilton University is paying for this. I also have so many questions about Wait, Hamilton Kyle, University. Can I bring up a point that I think is important? Yes. So I don't. I play before the pandemic. I would play pickup basketball every Saturday, and I always hate like the sweaty guys you have to lean against, and they're not wearing a shirt, and maybe they're hairy. Like imagine fighting this guy, and just the clumps of hair that you're going to have to clean off your body, or you go in for maybe there's a headbutt, and you come up with a mouthful of hair, werewolf hair. I just think infection rates are going to go up. I don't know if it's safe. I don't know what he's been doing with that hair. It's just no good. I mean, that's the same thing as in the original Teen Wolf, though, playing basketball. Like, you don't want to guard the guy, like, who is just going to leave you, leave a mat of hair on you as he dunks over you. It's just yeah, no gross. Good. No good. Let's let's roll into the IMDb trivia. There's not a lot from this movie. It's not really worthy of IMDb trivia. Um, like I said, Jason Bateman's film debut Uh, Speaking of all that hair on the wolf, one of the reasons for Michael J. Fox's refusal to reprise his role in the sequel to Teen Wolf is that he had no desire to go through the arduous process of getting into makeup to play the werewolf. I think that is just an IMDb excuse. Michael J. Fox didn't do this movie because at that point, Michael J. Fox was one of the biggest stars in the world and Back to the Future dropped and he had absolutely no need to do this movie. Yeah, that is correct. Why? What's the benefit there of jumping back into this stupid sequel? Not a very good first movie. I wonder if he would have played the role as in he graduated from high school and went to college and this is what he is now. They would have had to back up the Brinks truck for Michael J. Yeah. Fox to, to play that. The, like the movie grossed $7.9 million. I bet he would have cost more than that at this point because like Back to the Future was out. I would assume the sequels were either about to come out or, or heading that way. Like he was... He was massive. I think Secret of My Success had probably already come out. Like he was huge. Jeff, you said before you recorded, you said you were fifteen when this came out. Was the Teen Wolf sequel was not on not on anyone's radar? <laughs> no, zero percent. And this was a time period where we were all going to see like Police Academy Two, Police Academy Three, like that genre of movie and the sequels that came with it, we were all in on. But Teen Wolf did not leave the dent that Back to the Future did not even close. It was just a very forgettable experience. It didn't really move people. So um, there was no clamoring for Teen Wolf 2. I did not see Teen Wolf 2 in a theater. And Bateman was, I think Bateman had done some TV, but yeah, this being his first. Uh... He had been, there was a show that was huge at the time called Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder and Alfonso Roberto. And he played Ricky Schroeder's friend in Silver Spoons. So at that point, he was sort of like the friend. He was not a mainstream guy where you knew his name yet. 
I mean, every actor needs that that vehicle to come up in, and this was unfortunately Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman had to dip his toes in the water in something, and, and this was it. Uh, this movie, something about how bad it did, Alyssa Milano was scheduled to do a third film about a teen wolf girl playing football in high school. Oh. She was to receive help from her father, Scott, and Uncle Todd, but the poor performance in this film and Airbud canceled those plans. That's unfortunate. She's a... Uh... We're friends on Twitter. I will DM her and ask her whether how close she came to being in Team Wolf 3. I would love that info. I can Absolutely that. love that info. Great. And then James Hampton, who uh, was, the, was the uncle in this movie, and then Mark Holton, who was good old, good old reliable chubs, were the <laughs> only actors to reprise their roles from the original Teen Wolf. I mean, they couldn't even get Styles back. Or Finstock, and you loved... The, your favorite thing about Teen Wolf was Coach Finstock, and they got a pretty crappy Coach Finstock for this movie. That's the biggest letdown of this movie, was yeah. not getting... Fin, Finstock was easily the best part of it. I mean, you, after our first episode, you wrote that great piece on what Finstock, you know, Finstock going on to coach at UNLV, and it turns out he just went to, like, he lost all his bravado and went to go coach boxing at Hamilton University. But it wasn't even him, it was like his mediocre we can't get fin- even finstock didn't want a part in this movie so they had to get you know cut off you know replaceable also i know you're gonna get here but i just want to say how did a high school basketball coach end up being the boxing coach at a college Where'd i mean that that's that's one of the biggest i mean so in this pod we typically we have the what works section and the what didn't work section my what works section is very small so we're gonna get to the Finstock okay. stuff and the in the what didn't work because I, I have that I have that down. Uh, I want to get into best scene, and when I say best scene, I just I, I sent you the generic run sheet we do on this pod, and best scene is kind of you know like most movies have good scenes. That's kind of you know you make a movie, you, you know you expect some scenes to be good. I've changed it to least favorite scene. <laughs> um, so fair. we're gonna pick that. I'm doing I'm gonna list these off chronologically. So I need you guys to stop me if I have somehow missed one of your least favorite scenes. Okay. Um, the first one I have, I, I'm jumping all the way to the, the boxing match, the one where he wolfs out. Was there anything before that that you were like, oh, yeah, this, this, is, this is awesomely terrible? Um, not really. Yeah, I would agree with that. No, that's exactly. A good one. And in yeah. the boxing matches, I think forty minutes into the movie, and this movie is ninety-five minutes. <laughs> uh, the the dean telling Finstock that this boxing match makes or break your makes or breaks your career. It's a boxing match. I mean, there's twenty people there. It's just it's astounding, <laughs> astounding. Wait, Kyle, doesn't someone need to ask the question? Why the fuck do they make it college boxing? Like. <laughs> We kept saying during this movie, we've now had this discussion 10 times. Why wasn't it football? Football makes so much sense for this movie. If you're going to do this movie, who's the guy who's like, you know, it'd be great. The popular sport of college boxing. That's where we need to go with it. Even like track. Track. Great. Because you, you don't have the budget for football. Yeah. Is college boxing even like a thing? Like, is that, is that something that exists? I had to look it up. There I actually so did is I. College bo- oh, you did too. There, there is something called the National Collegiate Boxing Association. Um, and there are a bunch of schools that do it, but is it a is it a thing? No, not really. Yeah, it's they should have done track because college track is a real thing. But this the boxing match, just like in the teen, in the original Teen Wolf, when he has the first like wolf out at the basketball game 
everyone just kind of looks around and they're just like, all right, yeah, let's go for it. It's a werewolf. They do the same thing. And the ref goes over and he asks Finstock if they should stop the fight. He needs to ask the other coach like, hey, you're a college coach. You're responsible for the well-being of this young man. Do you want him to fight this werewolf? (laughs) And that's when the college coach says, no, we should actually bag and tag this thing. And uh, and call it, you know, call it a day. And they nope. Finstock's like, yeah, we, we don't need to stop the fight. Let's go. Let's let my werewolf fight the guy. Can I make an argument with on this one? Yeah, go ahead. Back when I was growing up, a lot of people were unfamiliar with um, HIV and AIDS and the impact. And there was a lot of people who sort of would not allow their kids to go near people with AIDS. And it was a real I'm actually being sincere. It was a real tragic time. And there were a lot of kids who were ostracized and they did nothing wrong whatsoever. And obviously a more funny part. Here's this guy. He has this condition. He's not happy about it. He happens to be a werewolf. He wasn't, it's not his fault. He didn't take performance enhancing drugs. It's awkward a million different ways. I just think there's something rude about you wanting to punish this kid just because of a, you know, genetic condition that he had nothing to do with. And I just, I kind of question, you said you have a, you're a father. How would you feel if your kid all of a sudden is on the the college boxing team? And he, that's a, that's a, that is a fair point. I think, I think that we can find middle ground though, between bagging and tagging him and letting him box against non werewolves. <laughs> there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a fair middle ground. It's like a there. werewolf division of college boxing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just him and Scott. It's him and Michael J. Fox. It's just that. I'm comfortable with that. I, I think we skipped the scene. I don't know if this is in the right order, but I, I think we skipped it. Okay, what's what's the scene? Isn't the original wolf out when he's dancing with the the oddly country lady and he he, he, he didn't we skip that? Oh, we did. That was right before. Yeah, yes. yeah. I think that is actually one of the worst scenes. Yes. Break that one down, Emmett. What makes that one okay one of the worst? Well, I mean, because it's competing against a lot of bad. When he shows up to the little intro thing. The dean walks up to him and he's like, this is the big guy. This is this is what I'm relying on. And then he sends the country girl to go dance with him. I mean, that that in itself is really weird. And then he's dancing and he's he's dancing around and then he tries touching her butt, which I mean, why did they even throw that in there? Like, Good what, point. what what did they get out of that? Because like uh, like the original Teen Teen Wolf, this movie is uncomfortably horny. <laughs> Wait, he makes a good point, though. It, it, he grabs her butt with his wolf hand. And and also, like, how can the Dean make him dance? The Dean literally made him dance with this girl with this confusingly Southern accent that makes no sense either. The whole thing is super weird. Okay, continuing with the scene. I, like, I think the only acceptable part with the scene is the part when he actually starts to turn into the wolf. Like, it's okay. It's not great, but it's fine. And then when he turns into the wolf, how the lady's like, I've been dancing with a dog. Oh my. You're a dog? I've been dancing with a dog. Yeah, I knew you had Hey, look out! It's a little amusing, but it's not good. It's just like, why why it's just it's all weird well and the other thing about that scene is like why is chubbs playing the tuba (laughs) he's on the boxing team and he's playing the tuba in the small dinner band i I just i i've got a lot of questions later about just stubs and 
uh, Chubbs and Styles' uh, trajectory after high school. Um, there, yeah, go ahead, Emmett. Sorry. No, no, you go. Well, I was going to say two things. Number one, interestingly, Kyle, I bet you didn't know this. I just found this out. The actress who played the Southern girl with the confusing Southern accent, which we have no idea why she had that Southern accent, her name was Rachel Sharp. Her IMDb page literally says, actress known for Teen Wolf 2. And she had two kids with the late Luke Perry, which I think is kind of interesting. Oh, wow. R.I.P. Luke Perry. Okay. Lastly, in that scene, which is the worst part by far, when Teen Wolf, like, runs out, guacamole or salad or something is just launched into the air and hits the country lady in the face and it's just like why why did that happen what does that do for the movie great question i think that was back in those days when they just put like jello was on everything like that that creamy looking jello and i'm pretty sure that's what that substance was that went flying through the air interesting um and then the dean walks over and is like, "What's wrong with you? Why do you have that on your face?" It's, it was just confusing. Well, well, that's a compelling case for the worst, the worst scene. But I think the next one I've got probably takes the cake. The the when the wolf sings, "Do you love me?" is <laughs> just and Jeff, you'll you'll know this, Emmett. I'm not sure. This is an iconic year for "Do you love me?" because "Dirty Dancing" also oh, comes yeah. out this year. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and. I feel like they thought that this was going to be their version of Marty McFly doing Johnny Be Good, and it's just, it's not. It's the exact opposite. Um, we've discussed this a lot, Emmett and I. This is probably yeah. the scene we have talked about more than anything. I'll just say one thing. I'll let Emmett has better thoughts than I do on it. Um, it Clearly what they were trying to do, because this movie is, is a stunningly bad replica of Teen Wolf, is... They had the scene in Teen Wolf where the Teen Wolf is on top of the car surfing, on top of the Jeep van surfing. And they needed that, like, look, he's wacky and he's a wolf. And that was their scene. And it was so ridiculously bad. Like when he uh, he does the backflip up to the balcony with a, a clear cut or, like, clear wiring and, see, like, bad. It's not CGI. CGI wasn't really in this movie. But it's, like, that bad. It looks. It just looks terrible, mm-hmm. that backflip up onto the, onto the, uh, the balcony. And all these college kids know a, a choreographed dance to Do You Love Me as well, which is which is wild. It, it turns from one of the worst sports movies of all time to one of the worst musicals of all time. I don't know how they did it, but they did. Absolutely. You know the, the makers of this movie must have seen Dirty Dancing and been like, oh no. Emmett has never seen Dirty every Dancing. Bit of our I've never country. seen Dirty Dancing. Yeah. I hadn't seen it until like two years ago. Yeah. So it, it was it was not on my radar until I, I got together with my fiance and we went and saw it on uh, on Valentine's Day. I would I would much rather see Dirt, Dirty Dancing has some also incredible unintentional comedy moments. Yep. Uh, I would Dirty Dancing is a good movie for that. I would much rather watch Dirty Dancing than than this movie. <laughs> Wait, Kyle, can I just bring up a few moments, a few things about that singing scene that make me yeah. Jeff? Jeff, you have the floor. There's, with so, the scene. there's so much. So much. All right. First of all. There's like, he has three women dancing with him who are lined up behind him in this choreographed dance. They all look like they're about 35 years old. Like, where do they come from? Um, second of all, he has a mic. This is a very, by the way, 80s sort of TV sitcom and movie thing. He has a mic. He's singing into the mic. He's still singing. He's no longer using the mic. Then he has the mic back. Then he stops singing altogether while the song is being played. Then he's singing again into the mic. Then he puts the mic down. It's so, and also like, Emma and I were talking about this. There's no reason 
for this moment in this movie. It has nothing to do with anything. It's like, oh, we need a musical moment. Uh, this this song really worked with Dirty Dancing, as you said. Let's just go with it. It made no sense at all. And there was like 20 people at the boxing match. And then suddenly the whole campus is at this party. I, I kind of think, like, even though I don't think it's intentional, it would have worked better if he was just lip syncing. Because it already looks like he's lip syncing. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't. He's not singing. It just doesn't. It, nothing works in that scene. I remember when uh, when I first saw Back to the Future, I was at a very young age, and I thought that it was uh, it was Marty McFly actually singing, which I will always be deeply ashamed of, no matter how young I was. Um, the next scene I have is. Uh, is when the wolf is given the car. And naturally, when you're given a free sports car, the first thing you do is run down a, a biker like a full-blown psychopath. <laughs> oh, yeah, Emmett, we talked about that one. Yeah, I think... I actually don't think that's one of the worst scenes. I think it's it's dumb, but, like, it, it at least is something, like... It's not reasonable, but it kind of works with the story, whereas the musical just doesn't... It doesn't do anything. It's just there. They tried to pack in the entire character arc that was in the last Teen Wolf, where it was... I mean, first, Todd kind of knew this this wolf thing was going to happen, so he didn't have as much of the discovery, the loading process of becoming a wolf. But they tried to pack in the okay, he's testing the waters as the wolf. Suddenly the wolf was cool. He's a big deal. He gets popular and he becomes a jerk. And then he has this sense of like regret. They tried to pack all of that from the original Teen Wolf into about 15 to 20 minutes. They just went bam, bam, bam. And it's, this is like the one, oh, he's a jerk now scene. And it is, it is a really tough look. He leaves poor, poor Chubbs who is masquerading as a college student on the side of the road. It was a really tough look for Chubbs. Yeah. Did we, um, Kyle, did you mention that? Um, I mean, I just think, uh, cause it goes along with this. How are all these, how, so Chubbs styles, first of all, I, I'm probably going out of order here, but the team wolf, um, Todd winds up rooming with styles just by coincidence. The, the, the guy from the last movie, all these three people are at this college together. They're freshmen, but they're really important to college, important enough to lead a sing-along and the revival of a boxing program that was dormant. It just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We're going to get to this. And later in the pod, we are going to map out, we're going to try to figure out how Styles and Chubbs wound up at Hamilton University <laughs> the same time as Todd. Because I have, I have a lot of questions. We're going to get through these terrible scenes. The next one I have is the study montage with that terrible... Send me an angel song, the, just like Teen Wolf. It's got a, it's got a really bad song with lyrics in it, uh, where he he's studying to I guess save his save his grades or save his future in college. But he makes sure to stop and take a sex break with the girl who should have just never spoken to him ever again. Yeah, I would agree with everything you just said. It's and, a very um, odd scene. But I did think this movie was very good because I'm raising a young man, my son Emmett, and he's heading into high school. And I feel like, you know, Todd gave him a roadmap of how to treat women, how to sort of <laughs> propel your own athletic career, which is to turn into a wolf in box, and uh, how to get away with whatever you want, but then realize at the end that you were wrong about everything and find redemption. And I think for Emmett... And then still important. get away with everything, yeah, though. But for Emmett, it was <laughs> Suffer important. Suffer no repercussions. The, I think the, the moral of it all is just the big, if you had to put it in one sentence, the moral is be a wolf. Be a wolf. <laughs> I mean, and that rolls into the final boxing match 
when um, I want to talk about the boxing nickname of the bad guy. His name is Steve Gus Gustafson. Oh, yeah. That's his boxing nickname. <laughs> what? Gus Gustafson. What? That's not even a nickname. That's just a weird name. Exactly. I mean, it's just a play on his last name. It's terrible. Yeah, he could have been killer. Or he should have been like, because no, because no logic matters in this movie, he should have just been the Wolf Slayer. And that should have been his nickname heading into the movie. And it would just be this big coincidence, the Wolf Slayer. Or, yeah, you know what his nickname should have been? The Silver Bullet. Yeah, that does. Oh, that, that would have been. That, see, that would have been perfect. That's actually like not a. That, that's like if they did that, I would have been content. That's pretty yeah, good. I would have been fine with that too. That's an easy move, and they just completely missed yeah, it. I mean, that. Gus would have beat up Todd without mercy. There's also a ring girl oh. at a college boxing yeah, match. We need to discuss. We, we need definitely to discuss this. talked about this a lot. Um, first of all, I mean, it's one of the students. Imagine, okay, my daughter, Casey, is a senior and she's heading into college. And I'm sending her off to college and wherever she goes to college, I hope she does well. Imagine if I'm like my parent, I'm a parent and I find out that the, that the school I've sent her to is basically using her as sort of a quasi hooker to sell tickets to a college boxing match featuring a wolf and that she's going to have to wear the skimpiest bikini of all time and walk around the ring as people whistle at her. And that's part of her college experience. That's a big no for me. Probably not paying the tuition I, on I that I would not be, even if that's a scholarship. And, you know, I think no for me. She's actually, she's the country girl's friend yeah. who was dating the wolf. Yeah, was a ring girl. I don't know if you noticed that, Kyle. Emmett picked that up. I, I did not. Uh, did you also notice that Uncle Harold nestles up to Nikki just like he did Boof yeah. and, uh, and Teen Wolf? Yes. They're sitting in the stands all chatty chummy. And I'm, I'm just going to say it. I think that guy's probably a pedophile. <laughs> Emmett, if your dad starts nestling up to your your future love interest, you you need to sound the alarm. Okay, sounds sounds good. <laughs> yeah, Teen Wolf has taught me a lesson. Yeah, a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons. <laughs> Be a wolf. Ton of lessons from Teen yeah. Wolf. Um, him turning into the wolf at the end is stopped by Nikki, the love interest, mouthing "I love you," which to me sets up a long life of Nikki being into very toxic men. Nikki <laughs> ha- has had a tough go of it. Since her times with Todd, she's like she's divorced at least three times. Yeah, she actually play, is played by the actress S.D. Chandler and is a human rights activist on social media in real life. But in Teen Wolf Life, I agree with you. They probably stay together. He started drinking a lot because, you know, his boxing career fizzled out and she's stuck with like a lot of hair and a, an ugly divorce. Yeah, you, you want no part of that. Guys, can you pick a best worst scene in this movie? I mean, I'll start with you. Um, I think it's either the singing, which I mean, is obviously a favorite or the last scene and something that actually left out from the last scene is when he looks at his dad and he, he does, oh. he puts his hand up to his chin, like do the uppercut. And he's like, Oh, of course. And then he does the uppercut. And I think that scene really upsets me, but how can you not do the musical scene? It's just, it, it's the worst scene in any movie I've ever seen. And I have to choose the musical scene. Jeff. I actually, I got to go. The musical scene is so bad. It's almost good, but the scene, there is a moment. So it's the last fight in the movie and he's fighting Gus and he's just getting his ass kicked all over the ring. And, and it's funny because any ref, especially college boxing, you stop that fight two minutes into that fight at most. I mean, he's getting destroyed He's definitely going to suffer at the at the bare minimum permanent brain damage. 
from just the beating he's taking from Gus. And his uncle, as Emmett said, flashes him this sign from the stand, just shows him a little uppercut. And there's no flashback to him teaching him the uppercut. There's no explanation, no elaboration. And this scrawny little guy gives an uppercut to this big muscular guy and it works. And I said to Emmett today, we were taking a walk. I said, it'd be the equivalent of Emmett who's five foot five and probably 105 pounds giving me an uppercut at six foot two and 195 pounds and it just working and knocking me off my feet. That just can't happen. You guys make compelling cases for the last boxing match. It is incredibly corny. <laughs> uh, one of the worst things I've ever seen. But the do you love me scene is by far and away. If I was to imagine in my head the cheesiest, corniest, worst 80s movie scene I could think of, that's that's my pick. It is, it's, it is incredible. What about his nose? Did you notice, <laughs> Emma and I have been discussing this a lot. His makeup was off. I mean, the budget was much lower. I feel like they lost Michael J. Fox's wolf suit. Either that or it didn't fit Bateman. Michael J. Fox is a, is a very small man. I can't imagine that, that Bateman is the same size as him. So it's like they had, to, they had to get another, and the money just wasn't there. They bought that from a spirit Halloween store. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Guys, let's take a quick ad break, and then we'll get back with Best Quote. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by a fall essential. Direct TV NFL Sunday ticket. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players, aka the guys on your fantasy team. Red Zone is an absolute must-have. It is the only way to watch football at this point. If you're not watching your team, turn on Red Zone. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSunday.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Big Screen Sports is also brought to you by Deal Dash. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. You catch someone sleeping, you get a deal. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering big screen sports listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com, use promo code BIGSCREEN or DealDash.FM slash BIGSCREEN. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash BIGSCREEN. All right, we're back. And at this time, it would, it would normally be the category best quote. I myself am refusing to acknowledge the screenwriting in this movie by saying there's a good quote. Unless you guys have something, I'm very ready to move on. Um, I think there's one quote that I can maybe think of. And that, um, that's the scene when he wants to change his classes and he just looks at the lady 
and he just says, I want to change my classes. And it's just like, what what happened? Emmett, that's actually, that's a scene. Actually, I, I would like to roll this into most authentic and least authentic sports-centric parts in the movie. This isn't sports-centric, but Emmett, you'll learn this in a few years. You will find that that experience that they had at the registrar's office at a lot of colleges and universities, there's a, a registrar just like that woman who is very unhelpful. I, I gotta get these changed. Don't make me laugh, kid. Rules are rules. Policy is policy. You don't understand. This has got to be changed. You've got Excuse a me. lot of nerve. Nobody ever changes their classes. You have to find the helpful ones. That, that was authentic. Um, I have one line, too. Again, the, the movie's terribly unfunny, but I thought when the uh, the Southern woman he's dancing with, he grabs her ass as he's changing, and then she she says... You're a dog. I've been dancing with a dog. That's not a terrible quote for a really bad movie. It's not a terrible gimmick. Like, it's a little funny. Yeah, it's a little funny. I'll, yeah, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I did not write down any quotes. I refuse to. I, I think, like, I got 15 minutes into the movie and was like, I'm not going to write down any quotes. Yeah. This isn't, especially the movie I watched, the, the last movie I've watched for this podcast before this episode was My Cousin Vinny, which is perfect in every oh. sense of the word, has incredible quotes, and I I then went to Teen Wolf 2. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I step all the way down. Um, but the, let's kind of roll into the most authentic, least authentic, sports-centric parts in the film. I will say I'm not a boxing savant. Uh, I, I really don't know much about boxing. I will say that I don't think a, a werewolf would be allowed to box uh, Jeff or Emmett, did either of you have anything sports-wise that adds up about this movie in any way? Uh, no, I mean nothing. Nothing makes any sense. College boxing isn't even a real thing. Like in itself, that doesn't even make sense. But then you add a werewolf, and then you're like, oh, this also doesn't make any sense. And then not, Chubbs doesn't even make sense. No, oh, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Chubb's boxing doesn't make sense. You can't argue that. Hold on one second. I just want to say, now Kyle, this might even date me. There was a boxer about 20 years ago. Named I know exactly who you're going to say. Butterbean. Butterbean. Yes. <laughs> and um, his name was Butterbean Etch. And he was a obviously a very large man who wore American flag shorts like Apollo Creed. And I honestly think, and I, uh, I would put money on this, and I would bet my son on this, that Chubb's... <laughs> was the inspiration for Butterbean. And somewhere, Little Butterbean was watching Teen Wolf 2. And he said, Mommy, Daddy, everyone makes fun of me for being overweight. I want to be like Chubbs. <laughs> he wants to throw him against the ropes and have him bounce back into his fist. Yes. So yes. when I think of Butterbean, I think of one of my favorite movies of all time. Emmett, do you know what Jackass is? I know that not. it was a movie, but I've never watched it. Emmett... I mean, I the, the, it's going to be your father's decision, but Jackass, the, the, the Jackass movies are three of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. And Butterbean is featured in one of the Jackass movies. Okay, they, we'll go there. We'll do that. Ja I mean, Jackass is just, it is such a, a snippet of a certain time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you, you, I don't think you could make Jackass today, but uh, Jackass is just wonderful. Much more wonderful than this movie. Uh, as far as least authentic sports centric parts of the movie, I just had written down just like in the last movie. There's zero chance anyone would compete against a wolf in sports. Just 
absolutely no chance. Do you guys, Emmett, do you have something that that is something else that is not authentic about this one? I mean, just like Rocky, the boxing, I'm not that, I don't know that much about boxing, but no one blocked or anything. They just like, just, just kept hitting each other. It was just, I mean, even though this movie is not like a sports movie, it is a sports movie, but it's not that centered on sports. I think it just, the boxing was just so bad. Jeff, what about you? Well, Kyle, I have to disagree with something you just said, and it offends me a little bit. Um, (laughs) You discredited the boxing and you said nobody would fight a wolf. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Mike Tyson and Roy Jones will be having an exhibition fight against each other in a couple of months. And clearly they're both doing it as a money grab. You cannot tell me that if Mike Tyson at this point in his life was offered five million bucks to fight a wolf, he wouldn't do it. And I am offended that you would deny the wolf the opportunity to fight Mike Tyson or Roy Jones. So that's one thing. And then number two is Chubbs, clearly, there's a very 80s thing, which is if you were overweight, you had superhuman power. Like they made Chubbs into someone who had this powerful punch, even though he was just this flabby overweight guy who clearly struggled with his weight and probably needed to use Weight Watchers or start running or whatever. And they gave him this superhuman 80s power where with one punch, he could knock anyone out. And I thought that was very inspiring. Also, Chubb's not having a, like, Chubb's just having a boxing scholarship. I don't understand how that happened. We know he was on scholarship, though. I mean, he's at least on the team. So Chubb's at least having a spot on the boxing team. Although, like, it doesn't seem like they're doing a great job recruiting. So maybe Chubb's just showed up at a walk-on, at a, like, a walk-on tryout. And they're like, hey, you're a big guy. We have no one in that heavy a weight class. We need you. I They definitely need help with recruiting. I feel like they could have used a, you know, like, a, some sort of like college coaches have, um, you know, like Barry Switzer when he used to be the head coach at Alabama, uh, excuse me, at Oklahoma, he had a guy, John Blake, who would go into homes. He recently died, John Blake, and he would really work on recruiting and he would really get people to come out for the program. I feel like Finstock really needed a John Blake to go into the homes of young boxers and convince them that Hamilton was a place for them. And I feel like that was definitely lacking at this university. (laughs) I think most boxing schools, Chubbs is not making, maybe – Maybe he's a red shirt. Maybe you'll work on him for a year. He doesn't fight for the year. But I don't think Chubb is on your roster at a competitive Division One boxing school. Finstock doesn't recruit a lot either. Finstock no. does not. I mean, he put all his eggs into the Todd Howard might be a werewolf basket. Finstock's not going into houses. He's not schmoozing with the moms, getting them to send their sons to school to play for him. Finstock's not doing any of that. Um, I'm actually disappointed. Emma and I talked about this during the movie. You haven't even brought up one of the key actors the Dean's dog. The Dean's inexplicable dog. I'm The thing about the dog is that you would have thought it would have been a bit the entire movie, like it barking and trying to attack Todd. And they do that like 50% of the time. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, I think the, the dog versus Todd would have been an interesting boxing match. <laughs> wolf, wolf versus wolf. Yeah. I want to go into what is a brief category. What worked about this movie? And guys, I have something about this movie that is literally perfect. This movie is only 95 minutes and free to stream on Prime, which is huge. Yeah. Huge. You don't have to pay for this one. Is that all you got? Um, uh, I have uh, that you, you can kind of... You can see it in Bateman. And I don't know if that is a hindsight 2020 thing, just knowing how and you know what Jason Bateman's career has has become but 
I feel like you get at least early in the movie before he's just having to work with too much terrible in the script. Like, am I wrong or can you see that he has a little charisma, at least much more than everyone else in the movie? I make your thoughts. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think what you can say about this movie that's good is so little, but like even the things aren't even good. Like they're not even that good. Uh, the free part I think is like the part that it's free. I think is very helpful because then we don't have to say that we paid to watch Teen Wolf <laughs> two two times. That's so, good. Which I we would have done though, Emmett. We mm, would have paid. We would have had to do it. So, Emmett, did you have anything else that worked about this one? Um. You don't have to watch the original for it to make sense. <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. That's a really good point. Jeff, do you have anything else about this one that works? Yeah, single word. Chubs. Or, exactly. Or, or, as we say in the Perlman household, motherfucking Chubs. That guy owned this movie. And the thing that bothers me, and Kyle, again, you kind of offend me. You're talking about Alyssa Milano in the third Teen Wolf. I'm talking about Chubs in the first Chubs. Like, that should have been the movie. The movie that spins <laughs> off of this Chubs Wolf. Chubs. Chubs. Chubs Wolf. Chubs gets bit by yeah. the first Teen Wolf. Right, and becomes a wolf. I mean, I told you earlier today that you need to write your next book about the boxing team at Hamilton University. And that book is really, I think Chubs is the central part of that book. I just think, here's the thing. I will say this about the actor who plays Chubs. He's a, he's a one-note guy. Um, they're not asking him to do very much. But what he does, he does okay. Like, playing the bumbling... I mean, I'm not, not to be mean. He's the bumbling fat guy from the 80s. That was a thing in the 80s. Every If you watch Goonies, there's always yeah, a bumbling they, fat they guy. They always have a name like Chunk or Chubby or Chubb. Always. They have to. And in that genre, that very specific genre of 80s, quote-unquote, young fat guy, to me, Chubbs is the Marlon Brando. Incredible. Well... I will say that Mark Holton, who plays Chubbs, he does get redemption. He's in an incredible sports movie. He do, he is at the end of a league of their own, where he oh, plays yeah, he, he sure plays is. older Stillwell. Mm-hmm. Who? Yeah. I mean, at the end of a league of their own, when they meet at the museum, they go to the yeah. baseball hall of fame. Yeah. He is Stillwell as an adult. He's like mom passed away. Wait, who's Stillwell? The little kid who's annoying in the movie. Oh, that's weird. Stillwell Angel. Yeah, oh, he plays older that's, Stillwell. That's, I mean, no, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that guy actually had a career, like not a bad career. So yeah, I mean, I would take it. I would sure. trade at this yeah. point. At this yeah. point in my career, I would probably trade. We would trade you for him hosting this podcast. We just that's like, that's a really fair point. I actually. mean, the Chubbs Hour would be amazing. <laughs> get get Chubbs on your podcast. Yeah, get Chubbs. Chubbs Screen Sports. <laughs> okay, it's time to get into what didn't work and something, Jeff. Something you brought up earlier. Why are Styles and Chubbs? in like in a freshman dorm that they've clearly both been living in for a while, even though it's the first day of school. Like you can't make a dorm that messy, right? College students are, are incredible at making dorms messy. So Styles and Chubbs have been there for a while, but they're in the freshman dorms. They're both clearly older than college students. What is the, Jeff, what do you think the timeline is? Like why are Styles and Chubbs there at that particular time? Because I don't think they graduated high school the same year as Todd. Okay, I have a very detailed theory about this, which is the movie just didn't think about it for one iota. It just threw him in the movie. Um, <laughs> wait, deep cut. We, we talked about this, though, that's really funny about that moment is, so Styles, for no reason whatsoever, actually, tells Todd that he changed his syllabus and, and re-enrolled him in different classes. And number one, there's no reason why he did this. 
Number two, you can't just show up and say, I'm changing the classes of Todd. My name is Styles. <laughs> like none of that works. It was the most bizarre, bonkers. And also you're right. First day, move-in day, college. Hey, we're all in college. Oh, look, here's your roommate. Wait, he's got everything set up like he's been here for five years. That doesn't make any sense. So you're right. Well, in the same sense of so, how did this person get there, let's let's talk about Finstock. Last we saw Finstock, he's coaching high school basketball. Uh, he is not, let's say he is not too serious about that job. Finstock is not a, uh, he's not a go-getter. How did Finstock get a gig coaching college boxing? Uh, do you have a theory? Um, maybe there's like the the only thing I could think of is like the dean is like we need a coach who is who, like he just Google searches like successful coaches. He's like, oh, this guy was really successful in basketball. He'll, he'll work. That's that's like the only backstory I could think of. I actually know the answer, Kyle. Okay, hit me with it. Yeah, uh, so basically, Finstock and the Dean actually are from the same town in central Ohio. And the Dean used to have a major, major heroin problem, was in rehab a bunch, uh, was working the corners for a while. It was really ugly. And um, at least in his, in his biography, I am Finstock, which very few people read, but I happened to see a draft of. You Finstock were the ghostwriter on that. I was a ghostwriter of I am Finstock by Coach Finstock with Jeff Perlman. And. Finstock told me that he was the only one who was aware of this. He held it over the dean's head. He said, my dream in life is to be a college boxing coach. And the dean said, all right, I can make that happen. And he actually fired the legendary, legendary Hamilton University boxing coach to give Finstock a shot. And the one thing Finstock said is, I can get you a wolf. <laughs> I mean, that's a good selling point, though. Mm -hmm. Like, if yeah. you say, I have this ace in the hole recruit, and then the recruit yeah. shows up and the dean is like, hey, man, what are, what are you selling me here? But Finstock, new Finstock, spends the whole movie acting like he is there by accident. Like he walked into the wrong building and he's just trying to survive until he can leave the building. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Finstock didn't even tell the Dean that he has an ace in the hole. Like he didn't even tell him that this guy's a wolf. He just kind of hired him. Yeah. And it's also weird. He didn't even know he was on an athletic scholarship. He shows up at school or he didn't know he was going to have to box. So how exactly did that whole thing work? where he shows up at college and he knows he's on an athletic scholarship, even though he's not an athlete. And then are they, they're just betting that he might become the wolf. That just seems like a lot to put on one kid. But at that point, I think Finstock's got too much to worry about to where like, cause you don't even see Finstock's not even provoking him. You would think no. he'd be trying to like, like poke the wolf out of him. And he's just Finstock's like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, at least I, you know, I can always go work at, at you know Bose Tire Barn or whatever. Like Finstock doesn't really care. Weirdly, like cares about his job, but at the same time couldn't care less. It's a strange dy dynamic. New Finstock is a very low energy guy. Yeah, but the uh, interesting thing is, as you probably know, because you read it, he went on to train Lennox Lewis throughout his uh, championship career. So Finstock actually did have a pretty good run later on after college. Yeah, and then he he caught on with the 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 money team after that with Mayweather. Yep. It's yep, a correct. really really incredible trajectory by Finstock. You you didn't really see that coming. <laughs> Emmett, what else did you have about this movie that didn't work? <laughs> um, I think that I mean the 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 teacher. I think we overlooked. Oh yeah. The the sci the biology teacher. Oh, wait, we also overlooked another scene that was really bad, which is the frog fight. 
Oh. PETA would not have let that one happen nowadays. No. 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 But why did it happen? What was yeah, the point of that? The frogs. They, I don't. Uh, to show that he's a rebellious wolf. I mean, the frog fight, that was just such a bad scene. And then the biology teacher at the end, where she reveals that she also is a wolf to the dean. Like, what? What what happened? I want to know the backstory. Is there like a second family of wolves? Is she his long lost great aunt? Is like I don't know what happened. It was a weird thing. It's like I think they thought that hey, this will be a this will be a cool wink and a nod to the viewers. The viewers will think this is cool, and no, it just makes us ask a lot more questions about a movie that you don't really want to have any more questions about. Is it <laughs> is it possible? I'm just throwing it out there that that's his biological mother. And the next movie was going to be this detailed exploration into sort of his rough childhood and being given up for adoption and his mom always regretting it, finding out where he was going to go to college, getting a professorial <laughs> job there and reuniting with him. Well, his parents were never shown in the movie. Exactly. So it was just his uncle. Yep. That would explain her letting him slide completely on taking that makeup test. I have another question for both of you. Is Styles the worst friend of all time? Because he he clearly he just uses Todd just like he used uh, Scott in the uh, in the first Teen Wolf to hawk merchandise and boost his own social social status, and then you see Styles getting all bummed about Todd like not letting him into his room when Todd's enjoying a private moment with 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 two. Ladies. Two nice females, which is like very <laughs> understandable. Like you don't want Styles coming in. I don't think Styles needed to be in there anyways. Uh, so he's like rude about that after. He's like, oh, you're a jerk, Todd, or whatever. Shot 46. You know what's funny? Mm. I wanted you to become the wolf more than anybody else. So I guess I'm partly to blame for what you've become. What have I become? A jerk, Todd. Ah. But then you get to the boxing match, and Styles is right there hawking merchandise. He doesn't care that Todd's a jerk. He's still going to sell those Teen Wolf shirts. Emmett, I ask you, is is Styles the worst friend you've ever seen? Is he even a friend? Like, does he is he a friend to anyone? Like, he's he a shady hype man. Yeah, he just kind of he he abuses people's wolf powers for his own gain. Yeah, that's <laughs> he's not a, cool. He's the secret villain of the Teen Wolf movies. He's kind of like um, Johnny Manziel had that friend from high school when he was at A&M that was like setting up all those those under the table autograph signings and just basically living off Manziel's fame. He's kind of like that guy. I can't remember what his name was. It was like Uncle something, but he was just another A&M college student riding Johnny Manziel's coattails. Isn't it also an interesting potential violation if Todd was getting any of the money off of the sales of the merchandise. I mean, is Styles keeping 100% of it? Is he giving Todd some under the table? And then, if you're a coach at the rival school, uh, I think you would want the NCAA to look into that because it just seems like the Wolf is probably getting money he shouldn't be allowed to get. I mean, you want to talk about violations. If if college boxing was actually as big of a thing as the dean seemed to think it was, you don't think a rival school would be like, uh, hey, yeah, they have a wolf boxing for them now, and he's driving around, and the guy who got dropped off by his uncle's hardware store van is driving around in a brand new sports car running pedestrians <laughs> off the road. But yeah, I'm sure that's on the up and up. You were such a cynic, Kyle. You need to freaking calm down. Yeah, right? this is, how, do, how do you think Cam Newton got to Auburn? 
I mean, these I mean, things happen. Jeff, you were were you still at SI when LeBron James showed up to high school in that Hummer? That was like the biggest story on on ESPN for a week. Um, I was actually, and it's not the first. I mean, there are many, many college athletes through the years um, who have received, you know, cars, money, payments, blah blah blah. So I just, I don't know. I'm, I, he definitely was getting money under the table. He definitely got the car from a booster. Uh, it would concern me. And again, if I were a coach at a rival school, I certainly would be looking deep into the Hamilton University boxing program and Coach Finstock. I think, I think in real life, like, let's say there's just a wolf. Like, oh, wait a minute, they're just these people that are werewolves. Like, that's a big shock to society. And I don't think the first thing you're doing, like, society finds out that they're just these wolf people. I don't think the first thing that you're doing, like, as a society, is just having him box in college. You're taking him, you're doing studies and whatever, and you're finding out, like, what's happening? How does this work? It doesn't... What are, what are they thinking? Wait, you know what, Emmett, is interesting, Kyle, is it really opens up a can of worms, because what if schools start offering dolphins swimming scholarships? <laughs> it really... You start limiting, like, who's actually allowed to participate? Can you right. can you get a horse in the on the track team? But it also opens up a thing, what Emmett was saying about, like, you know, we need to be studying the werewolf. Like, the first thing we're not doing is letting them box. It's kind of like, okay, where actually is Scott? He might have told people he was at a school on the East Coast, but is he, like, stuck in some Washington, D.C. lab just being tested on? No, oh, he's actually, a... he's uh, he's stuck in Area 51 with the aliens. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It's a backstory. Yeah, that was written about, too. That, is that in Finstock's, is that in Finstock's <laughs> biography as well? It is. It is in Finstock's biography. It's, it's the chapter, what the hell happened to my, uh, to my werewolf point guard. <laughs> Um, I want to skip over the Kevin Costner, Freddie Prince Jr. awards for best and worst on-screen athlete because I just, I just don't think they're they're worth awarding in this one. I want to get right into the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. I have three nominees. Um, I am not including New Styles or New Finstock. I have John Aston as Dean Dunn, aka Gomez Adams from the original Adams Family. Right. Uh, Mark Holden as Chubbs. And Esty Chandler is Nikki, who, Jeff, you mentioned you, she's, a, she's an activist now, which is yep. a lot cooler than what I found. I found out she did visual effects on Team America World Police, which is a oh, no. very okay. funny movie to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Emmett, who do you vote for? Um, I think it's good that you left out the – wait, did you leave out the, uh, the woman who's like the, the girlfriend? No, that's her. That's oh, Nikki. No, no, that's her. Okay, yeah, no, there's no way it's her. She's the worst. No one likes her. Like, I just feel bad for her. Yeah, I mean, she's always like, there's always that person who's right, and they like motivate the person to go to be like the right person again. But she's just not likable. I found her just kind of annoying. You know, Emmett, when you go to college, one of you're going to have a buddy who you're ashamed that he's your buddy. He's just a just a miserable, miserable dude. And that's Todd in this in this movie. And he's going to be dating a girl. And at some point at a party, you're just going to need to go up to her and be like, yeah, you uh, you just should break up with him. Just don't tell him. Just just dump him. It's it's for your own good. Nikki needed a friend to do that, and no one did it. And so she leaves this movie with Todd and it's going to be tough sledding for her the entire way. Yeah. Um. I think Chubbs, Chubbs is likable, but he's just, 
he's just so predictable. He's just like the fat character. That's him. He's the fat guy. That's that's who he is. And that is why I propose to you that the actual best supporting character is the uncle because he tells him to do an uppercut and saves the movie. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Jeff, who's your vote? I'm going with someone else too. I'm going with the actor Robert Neary who played who played Gus, the <laughs> mean fighter for multiple reasons. Number 1, even though he attended a different college, he was there on the first day of school, which made no sense whatsoever <laughs> with his southern accent girlfriend. So the fact that he can be at two college campuses at once, I think, is a special treat. Number two, it's interesting because in Teen Wolf, the original Teen Wolf, the enemy athlete was Mick. And Emma and I still quote Mick all the time, all the time. And I think it's unfortunate because Mick was given some really good lines. And this guy, Robert Neary, who's actually had a very long career as a character actor, was given no memorable lines whatsoever. <laughs> he just was a, the opposing boxer mm -hmm. who beat the snot out of Jason Bateman. And I think uh, he deserves some props for that. Mick's creative line that we all love is, what's so funny, dork? And then and then Michael J. Fox goes, that's four fouls. That's four fouls. One more and you're out of there. And then just does the stupidest face of all time. Yeah, we quote that all the time. It's a classic. Yeah. A classic. I cannot believe that you both disrespected Chubbs in the best supporting character <laughs> no. category. Whoa, 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 whoa. To me, Chubbs is the star of the movie. You're yeah, saying supporting, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like you're disrespecting him. This movie should be called Chubbs, My Life, period. Chubbs Wolf 2. We'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, the big chill moment. And the big chill moment in this movie is the moment that gives you the stupid chills. And I'm going to say definitively yes. for me, it's the beginning of Do You Love Me. The second yeah. the music starts, I like, I physically, I physically got the chills like, Always. of how dumb it was. Um, I think when he starts doing, like, the little talk thing, when the music starts playing, and he's like, I couldn't dance, and you didn't love me. But now I can dance, and here I am. Like, it's it's just, uh, uh, like, after he catches the microphone out of midair, which is just amazing in its own, in, in its own right, but it, it's just the worst scene ever. Well, it's like watching a car wreck, but a car wreck in slow motion, because the second he starts that that monologue that opens, Do You Love Me? You know, if you've heard the song before, you know exactly what's going to happen. And you have time while he's talking to process like, oh, no, they're going to hit the music and all these people are going to go crazy. And it is just not going to hit like they think it's going to hit. And you you get like like you said, Emmett, you get the monologue of him talking in the beginning of that song, and you just you have like fifteen seconds to be like, no, no, yeah, no, have, no, and then it happens. You have like a little escape moment where you have just like you. It's like I know what's gonna happen. Do you want to continue with this movie? And I mean, we obviously chose the better option, which is to continue. But people, it's good to know that people have that choice. Jeff, do you have a moment that can compete with that in terms of the stupid chills? Oh, no. That actually is – I mean, that might be – you should actually change the name of this category forever to the Do You Love Me Teen Wolf 2 chills because it's so preposterous. And the crazy thing about it for myself and for Emmett, I think, Do You Love Me was written by Barry Gordy, who's a legend. He wrote it for The Temptations. Um, it was performed by The Contours. It 
charted at number three and number 11, two separate times. It is an all-time, all-time, all-time classic American song. It's a banger. It's a banger. It is a great song. It really is. And for the rest of our lives, that's, Emmett, that's, myself, yeah. and Kyle, you're welcome to join us with this, and maybe your fiance as well, would think of freaking Teen Wolf 2 when we hear that song. I feel like Dirty Dancing still takes that one. I, I, I think that... The fact that they came out the same year is just so wild. Same year, used the same song. Like, was Barry Gordy offering that the royalties on the cheap that year? I think he just wanted to get paid. But you know what's interesting, Kyle? I've, you've probably thought of this before. How do you think Chubbs would do in the Patrick Swayze role in Dirty, Dirty Dancing? <laughs> you know, I don't think he carries the same sex appeal as arguably the most handsome person of the 80s. But uh, that would I would like to see it. I would, I would very much like to see it. Like, the... Uh, Emmett, the, Emmett, you won't get this. Emmett, you probably need to see Dirty Dancing soon just so you can get all these things we're about to reference. But like when when Baby and uh, whatever Patrick Swayze's characters' names are in, in bed the, the morning after they, they finally mm-hmm. did the deed and he's then like Patrick Swayze's talking about the, the rich old woman at the camp actually using him. Imagine Chubbs giving that speech. Oh, I, can, I actually was thinking maybe Chubbs should have been the Jennifer Grey role. <laughs> it's Chubbs and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, why not? This incredibly progressive version of Dirty Dancing. <laughs> just putting it out there. No one puts there. Chubbs in the corner. Actually, I will say this. The wolf, I could see the wolf dancing at that club, though. He's like a special guest. He shows up wherever it is, the Poconos or whatever it is, the Catskills, and he shows up. It's the 1950s. Everyone's dancing, and the wolf makes his entrance. I think it'd be amazing. The wolf would fit in better at the Dirty Dancing camp than uh, than Chubbs, I think. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, and Hamilton University, yeah, for sure. Um, last few categories. Would this make a good 30 for 30 had it occurred in real life? I mean, I, I feel like a Absolutely. werewolf boxing the school. Yeah, 100%. Like yeah, it'd the, be amazing. There should be news around the world. Like, there's just these wolf people that have just been on Earth for a while and we just never knew. I feel like this is big news that people should know. It's probably lumped into a documentary, a 30 for 30 about Scott as well, the first team. It is it is probably yeah. a, a two-part thing. Like first there was this high school wolf and then there was this college wolf. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, I, I, I'm actually being sincere when I say this in a weird way. I feel like one thing they mixed in, missed in this movie is you definitely could have a, had a montage of him appearing on like the cover of Sports Illustrated, like being interviewed for a new segment, whatever the, you know, Barbara Walters on 2020 at the time. Like, you could have done some really fun stuff with this crappy movie, but certainly this character, like the wolf on the scene, have him on the cover of like Hunting Digest, whatever. And they didn't do any of that. There was no imaginative anything to this movie whatsoever. We'll roll that into the next category. How would you improve this movie, Jeff? <laughs> oh, man. Number one, like, again, I actually think as a ser- if you actually were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this movie. It's about a kid who's on a, we'll just say a, We'll make it a football scholarship at a university, and it turns out he's from a long line of werewolves, and during one game, um, he's playing halfback, and he's going down for a tackle. Em and I actually did a whole script for Team Wolf 3 about him being a football player, and he's being tackled, and he turns into a wolf, and it's a whole thing he has to battle, and you have PETA showing up, and the coach doesn't know what to do, and people are picketing, and blah, blah, blah. It would still be a terrible, horrible movie, (laughs) but it could be a little better. It would. Emmett, do you have anything to improve this movie? Um... I think, like, it's if you go scene by scene, even though, like, every not everything is identical, they all have the same purpose. Like, each scene 
fills a certain role. And I think you can you can you get the same effect from each scene as the first movie, but the thing is the first movie had a little more charm and goofiness and the second one is just stupid. Like you're not getting anything from the second one. So, I mean, it's not even there's nothing to improve. It's like the same movie as the first one, which is by far a better movie. It's just less charming. Wait, it's actually inexplicable, Kyle. This is one thing we did not understand. All right, you have Teen Wolf 2. You're making another Teen Wolf movie. It's a sequel. Um, you don't have Michael J. Fox anymore. You have the cousin. Why do you make the exact same movie? Because that's the 80s thing to do is just run the exact same playbook and think it works. It's so weird. It was very stupid. How I would improve, and it kind of plays off your football thing, and this is, I'm just going to go ahead and steal an idea from a completely, like, basically a... A reincarnation of this movie and it's not the the remake teen wolf on on mtv there was a show when i was growing up probably when i was around emmett's age maybe a little younger called big wolf on campus which is on i think it was on abc family back in the day and big wolf on campus was it was a teen teenager like the quarterback of the football team who was also a werewolf but he kept it secret and he would occasionally turn into the werewolf during games but no one would know i think that aspect would be better than having the sudden, the exact same thing of, you know, especially because Todd is so like, I don't want, he's aware of it. He's like, I don't want to be the werewolf. Like have him actually, you know, try to hide it, but also still try to find a way to box, maybe tone down the werewolf makeup or something. I would, I would rather see that, but that's also because I'm very nostalgic towards Big Wolf on campus. Um, Our last category, guys, before more restore, would you rather see a prequel, sequel, or a remake? of this movie. Now they have done the the series, the the series on MTV which I have not watched. I don't think I'll ever watch, but I think it's like a much more serious kind of thing. Would you want to see a remake of this movie? Uh no, absolutely not. Cuz <laughs> it, it basically is a remake of the first one just with different characters. So it'd be a remake of a remake. Yeah, it doesn't why? Why would anyone do it? Interesting. Jeff, what about you? I would be all in a sequel, you know, because we're asking about, like, how would he fight against Adonis Creed? <laughs> I think him turning pro, uh, maybe first trying to go for the Olympics, uh, then turning pro, the path of his career, he gets a heavyweight championship fight. Um, Rocky Balboa becomes his trainer, maybe. Uh, he kills someone in the ring, and he's really torn by whether to continue fighting, but then his wolf uncle gives him a motivational pep talk. And reminds him to use the uppercut, and he continues and fights on for the world championship before biting someone's head off. I just think it would be it could be really good. I think you got your next writing project, Jeff. Totally, I'm in. I'm um, in. I actually think that there should be a remake of the first one in modern times. And my idea is like, how does society react to a literal wolf person? Like, wolf people are real. This is a thing now. People like. Do people try to kill him? Do people try to study him? I don't know. Like, what what happens in, in modern day? Like, how does the world react to knowing that there's actually wolf people? And I think that would actually make a pretty solid movie. Wait, don't you think we all miss? Don't you think that all these movies, these two movies, are better served if the first time he becomes a wolf, everyone runs away screaming? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, for, I mean, I'm actually being serious. Yeah, they are better yeah. movies if everyone's afraid. I mean, they kind of are in the second Eh, a little bit it kind of it really like a remake like that like having people actually acknowledge how scary it would be being a wolf it kind of turns into a version of 
the movie Ted 2, which I I don't know if you guys are familiar with, where Seth MacFarlane plays a teddy bear whose best friend is Mark Wahlberg, and they just like smoking pot together. Uh, but the the main plot of Ted 2 is Ted is suing the U.S. government to prove like he's a citizen or a real person deserving of rights. And that's what this is. So t- the next Teen Wolf or the Teen Wolf remake would not be about if he could beat up Mick on the basketball court or, you know, win a boxing yeah. match. It would be like if he is allowed to keep his rights and not it's, be thrown yeah. into a cage. It's actually a legal drama, and it um a most, courtroom drama. Yeah, most of it is in the courtroom. Talk and it, the the line is like wolves are people too, and he like slams his fist on the table, and then there's like dead silence, and everyone's like, oh, I guess we have to do it. And, and his then, public defender is Finstock. <laughs> he does everything. Wait, what about this moment? The moment when he says, "Inside this hairy chest beats the heart of a man." Jeff, where'd Finstock get his law degree from? <laughs> he got it from DeVry under Betsy DeVos's new uh, easy, educa- easy access educational policy. Oh, man. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good line to wrap this one on, guys. This movie is... Uh, the best. I, I would like to say that this podcast is better than the movie. I, I would like to think <laughs> so. But this, I mean, you can do worse in terms of a movie you're watching strictly for the sake of laughter. You can do much worse. Like I would rather watch this than Trouble with the Curve, and that's right. the best, the best possible compliment I can give it. Jeff Emmett, thank you so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Jeff, again, tell the folks uh, where they can find your podcast and where they can get your upcoming book. Yeah, well, the podcast is Two Riders Sling and Yang, and um, I am actually inspired by you, Kyle. And I'm not kidding. I'm going to try to get one week the writer of the script, Teen Wolf Two, on to see if he'll talk about it. And uh, I have a book coming out, uh, Three Ring Circus, about the Shaq Kobe Lakers, and comes out in September. Awesome. Well, Jeff Emmett, thank you again for joining Big Screen Sports. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate, review. You guys know the drill. Episodes of Big Screen Sports drop every Monday. Also, if you are a baseball fan, check out my bi-weekly interview series from Phenom to the Farm, presented by Baseball America. Tomorrow, dropping an interview with former Rays and Indians outfielder Brandon Geyer, talking about being a a college Hall of Famer, playing in the World Series, a lot of good stuff there. So baseball fans, check that one out again tomorrow, and we will catch you on Big Screen Sports next Monday, and stay tuned from a message from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Thanks for listening. Big Screen Sports is presented by BetOnline.ag. Sports are coming back. Sports are back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball, back in action. No better place to start than wagering with our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, features, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.